This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 768, brought to you by Mac Weldon. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and enter the promo code iFanboy. Some of you are excited for the ad later and some of you are not. And iFanboy listeners just like you who are washing their hands and wearing their masks. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 768. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. I don't like how I said hello at the beginning. I thought, mm. why is that sound coming out? That's weird. Anyway, that's like everything I've tried to do when I tried to make music. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I thought I did. Now I don't. And that's why I haven't finished anything. We are iFanboy every week. We read that. That's everything in my life. Every single thing. We are iFanboy and every week we read our stack of comics. And one of us picks the one that they like the best. And we call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book. We talk about other comic books that came out this week. There's a patron pick where you pick the comic book that is picked. A lot of words. And we answer listener mail if we have time because that's fun too. Uh, it's a good time. Here's your spoiler warning. There's spoilers. If you haven't read your books, not our problem. Connor, you had the pick. I did. And while we were on break for the holidays, which actually wasn't that long ago, like it feels like it was six months ago we were on break, but it was not that long ago. Um, Second Coming came back. Second Coming was the miniseries from Mark Russell and Richard Pace and Leonard Kirk that was originally supposed to be at Vertigo. They, and then they should call. Here. They should call the se- the second volume Seconds Coming. <laughs> I think that would be cooler. Attorney's it, General uh, Seconds Coming. It got moved to Ahoy Comics when Vertigo canceled it, and then it and then we we talked about it a lot. The first volume of six issues, and this is the second miniseries called Second Coming: Be- Only Begotten Son, Number Two. This is number issue number two. I read one and two this week because I didn't notice it came out because we were on break. Me too. And the first issue was basically retelling Superman's origin because the the story of this comic is that. God has sent Jesus back to Earth, and he has teamed up with basically Superman. And uh, the first issue was a retelling of Sunspot's origin, Superman's origin. It was and really I really good. enjoyed that issue. Yeah, it was, it was a really it was, good issue. It was like, uh, I don't know, it felt like reading one of the Flintstones books in the past. And so, very funny. Anyway. Which will lead into this one, which was, I think, the issue I've been waiting for since this issue, this series was announced, or the, the original series was announced. Because Mark Russell, and you can tell me the details because you did an interview him. Yeah. He has a theology background, correct? I, I don't remember what the, the basis of his background is, but I know that the first two things that he did uh, for Top Shelf, oddly enough, were these basically translations and retellings of the Bible where he like went through and wrote a lot of it back in like more plain English to sort of mm-hmm. tell the story. So he's very familiar with the Bible. I don't remember why or where it started because that was about four or five years ago that I had the conversation. But yes, like he he knows the texts really well. Um and and uh and so he can speak to this with some authority. And you know, there's there's been you know, his his whole thing is, is social satire and that's been a strain through all of his books. And he's certainly tackled organized religion in other books like the Flintstones. But uh, when you do, when you're doing a book and one of the main characters is Jesus Christ, you expect, you know, there's going to be some trenchant insight into into religion, and it, it's a, it's a fraught subject. I don't want to. I'm not. 
it's hard to discuss this without, I'm sure, annoying someone or, or making someone angry. Uh, this is more about organized religion than it is about religion because Jesus is actually Jesus in this book. And he comes down in this issue. He decides he needs to start, get out there and he needs to find his followers and really sort of see what they're thinking and feeling. Cause then the first miniseries is a lot about like his bewilderment and then there was, then the devil got involved. And so, uh, he take one of his disciples, Larry shows up and they go and they're going to go to, um, Bible, Bible safari. safari, fun family and faith. It's basically a Bible, uh, themed uh, theme park which exists and this is a, this i mean not 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 specifically this one but these things exist this christian industry kind of thing and this thing is run by a company called christway who is very it, it's it's not dissimilar to the uh the gemstones show on hbo what was the the fabulous gemstones or yeah, the uh, the righteous gemstones the righteous gemstones this is a similar similar sort of situation a mega church esque corporation making a lot of money off of organized religion no and not pay, no, not paying any taxes, and so I was about five pages into this, and I went, "Oh, here we go! Like this is this is it. This is what I've been waiting for." And you have two stories here. One is Jesus's trip to uh, the the theme park, and then the other is this man who um, his wife has left him, and he called Christway's helpline uh, for help because that's what the church is supposed to do. And uh, they're happy to help him for eighteen eighty nine ninety nine for their deluxe prayer package, and so that this guy's plight is sort of happening in the background, and of course uh, it comes together at the end. Um, and what I, what I loved about this issue, amongst many things, including uh, Richard Pace's art, who he draws the whole thing, but then Leonard Kirk inks the superhero parts, so that looks more traditionally superhero. But I I absolutely love his. Uh, self-inked pages mm-hmm. that the Jesus storyline. I, I I love his, his style is great. It's it's got a bit of a sketchiness to it. Um, I, I there's a, there's so much great texture in it. I mean, not to knock the Leonard Kirk pages, which are which are you know terrific superhero style art, but the the Richard Pace stuff that he he also colors all of it himself. Uh, not all of it. He colors his pages himself. It just it just has a great feel to it. Um, so uh, predictably, Jesus has a um. You know, there's a lot of discussion. If Jesus were to come back to Earth now, he wouldn't be well received. You know, that, that's that's a discussion that's been that's fairly sure. common. And so here he's he's mistaken for one of the performers, who are who in another panel are revealed to be all sort of middle aged rockers and truckers. Um, and he's pulled on stage to do you know one of the shows, and he starts you know talking about himself. You know, he's so excited to meet his he followers. Know, and, he doesn't know that he's supposed to be an actor. He also doesn't know that, you know, Christianity has changed a lot since from what he, you know, from what he created, and so he's telling them his thoughts on the world, and they don't like to hear that. They don't like. They don't want to hear that they've got to change, that they've got to be better. Um, and so he's he's really run out of <laughs> the camp by a bunch of the security guards who are all dressed as Romans. <laughs> um, and he has PTSD. And, and at one point, he runs across the pool. Um, it was just, it was funny and also very, you know, a lot of great observations about how religion has changed and morphed over the time. And then at one point he says, ah, I see you aren't my followers. You're the followers of those who've come after me. And, uh, that was an interesting observation. And of course it leads to him finding this dude who, who, you know, can't get any help and lost his wife, uh, who left his wife, left him, who's going to commit suicide. And of course he helps him because, you know, ultimately, that's what um, Jesus is supposed to be doing. And uh, I thought it was, 
you know, I, I loved the ending. I thought it was very sweet, but the whole middle part at the camp was, I thought, funny and, um, you know, smart and incredibly well drawn. And this is exactly what I've been waiting for this whole. Because I think the I, I went back and looked. I thought maybe this had been picked with Luke before. It never had been. Mm-hmm. And I think our conversation was always that it was good, but it was like missing something. Mm-hmm. And I think this was this the first two issues of this one has been what I think it was missing. I was going to say edge, but that's not it. I mean, it kind of is. It's it's the bite really of the thing is is to. Uh, I'm not going to be too concerned about it. Uh, you know, the idea that there's this disconnect between what it is that Christianity is supposed to be and what it is now and how people suit it to their own needs. And there's a lot of comment to be made about that as we look around in our world now. And, and if you have the ability to sort of parse, you know, intention versus, uh, you know, how things actually work out, you know, people don't want to be called to, they, they don't want to be called to account for the, for the things that you're supposed to believe in this thing. You're not doing it, you know, and he tells them that, and that pisses them off because, you know, you build up this thing. It, it's really interesting. I mean, I, I think it's, it's such a basic notion and it feels like we've seen, I feel like I've read a lot of Jesus comics. Mm-hmm. I can think off the top of my head. I know Miller did one years ago. Uh, there was Battle Pope uh, by Robert Kirkman very early on. Can you imagine mm-hmm. doing that now? Um, <laughs> and Jesus was a character in that. He was like a like a hippie surfer guy. You know, pretty sure. But I think, yeah, obviously, you know, Ennis, uh, Garth Ennis has touched on it a lot, even if it's not directly Jesus, but there's a lot of that in Preacher, which is my favorite comic. So, you know, it's it's an area that I find super interesting. And I think that, boy, Mark Russell's like the perfect guy for the thing, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. And like, he's got the background to be able to speak intelligently about it. He He's really funny. I mean, like there's this, is, it's really funny. It really felt like some of the best of the Mark Russell comics. I yep. don't think I finished the last miniseries. I think I, I don't think you did either. I got behind and then at a certain point I read everything that I had and then I just got distracted. And I don't think I read the last issue or two, but I, I, I had made an effort to, and I was enjoying it for sure. So I, I didn't feel like I hadn't finished it. And then I was reading, I was like, I think I missed some of this. Um, it's good. You know, it's, what's really interesting about books like this is that there was a big hue and cry and protest to the point where, you know, AT&T, Warner Brothers, DC decided they weren't going to print it. It was, it was before AT&T. Okay. I know, but the point, the, like, the point is, like, it was like people started protesting having never read it and having never seen it, raised a big stink, and then it got canceled. Um, now, two things happen when it moves over to Ahoy either nobody notices or nobody cares or everybody realizes actually this isn't it's not blasphemous in any way you know what i mean like and i think that's really interesting i it'd be hard pressed to see anything in here that you could really get mad about other than the religious industrial complex which is worth being mad about hey you know i i I certainly see the commercials late at night selling you all manner of bible products you know that's the thing Uh, huh I, 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 yeah, I can see, you know, there's the whole, there's the whole little device that you press the button and it just reads you random passages from the Bible. Like there's a whole lot of people making a whole lot of money mm-hmm. off the Bible. And that's, that's the real target here. Yeah. And also, also people, humanity being awful. I mean, the, the people yelling, jump, jump, jump to the guy, you know, the suicidal guy is, mm-hmm. is maybe one degree over the top, but not that many degrees. Oh, maybe over the top. one, maybe half, not, not a big one. Yeah, so like it's it's not it's not about religion here because because clearly Mark Russell um, 
knows all, you know knows a lot about religion. It's about and respects, the complex and respects the idea behind it. Clearly. Yeah, I think it's about the yeah. the business that's arisen around the religion, and it's about the hypocrisy. you know humanity, the hypocrisy of people, and all, and, and and humanity itself being you know fairly awful. And so it's 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 fairly hopeful. I mean, the, the ending is yes. terrific because it gets back to you know. I'm, I've come to Earth to help people. I'm going to help this guy. And if, if, it, if it was, if it, this isn't a Garth Ennis, no. you know, look at religion. This is a very different take on religion, and uh, it just gets back to the. It's getting back to the core of what Christianity was supposed to be, and not selling you a ninety dollar prayer blanket for you to rub while your your neighborhood's burning from a wildfire, hoping you don't get it. That was very funny. <laughs> it was <laughs> and awful because it's you know it's yeah. what's happening. But like you know, there's a lot of it's the, it's the old, it's the joke. Like I sent you a boat and I sent you a helicopter. What else did you want? You know, right. like I sold you a blanket. I mean, like, like at the end of the day, you're in, honestly, I don't think that you need the superhero character. This, this book would be fine without it. Other yeah. than it gives him a perch to be known on because everybody knows the superhero. And I love that the superhero, by the way, isn't like entirely suburban and boring. Like it's kind of, it's, it's like the opposite of, anyway, um, but the point is the protagonist of this is Jesus Christ and he's a wonderful dude. And I think that that's always sort of been the case. Like regardless of how you feel about organized religion or whatever, I bet if you met Jesus, you'd be like, this is an all right guy. He's he's a pretty good dude. He is about, you know, love and helping and forgiveness and all those things that you're supposed to be. Um, and that's, you know, I I don't know how you possibly get mad at this, this version of him other than. He doesn't, he kind of doesn't know what's going on. So he's not a take charge John Wayne type of Jesus. That's the only thing I could think of that people might get. You know what I mean? Like people have this idea about how things are supposed to be. Right. You know what that reminds me of? This is, this is, I, I was, I was looking up reviews of the right stuff. I don't know. I was looking at the TV show and I wanted to see what people thought of it. And everybody was really mad that they were being portrayed in that new miniseries from Disney, that they were being portrayed as humans. And it was talking about some of their faults and their egos and their, you know, which mm-hmm. is real stuff. You know, like, right. like Alan Shepard was a complicated dude. So, you know, you know, and, and people were mad. Like most of the comments were like, these are American heroes and this is disrespectful. And in that sense, I feel like maybe, maybe they wouldn't like the way that Jesus is portrayed in this because of that. But that's kind of wrong, I guess. I don't know. The book is this, this particular volume, the first two issues have been really terrific. So if you're someone who read the first volume, didn't read the second or didn't, you you, and also, honestly, you can even come on to this without having read the first volume. I was going to say, you totally could. It gives you the information, a little recap page. All you need to know is that Jesus is back on Earth. That's really that's really the, the extent of it. it. These first two issues, I thought, were, were the best two issues of Second Coming. Nice. Um, but a close second was Shadow Doctor, number one, from Aftershock. Number one, written by Peter Calloway, drawn by Georges Gentil. It was colored by Juan Choi and Charles Pritchett on letters. My old pal, Charles Pritchett. That's what I thought. I thought, he didn't he do some of your, yeah. your stuff? Yeah, yeah, I've done projects with him. He's a, he's a friend of mine. So this um, is a true crime story, and I was so excited to see. I mean, it's not a crime story, but it involves it involves the mob. It's a it's a story about the writer Peter Calloway's grandfather, who in the 1930s graduated from medical school but couldn't get a job anywhere because he's black, and um, gets involved with the mafia who he used to help uh, with bootlegging. He was one of their drivers. And so the issue, you know, the only reason why this isn't a pick, because I thought it was terrific, I thought, you know, the art was great, was that it felt very um, introductory. 
there wasn't a whole lot of meat on the bones. It, what was here was really good, but it, it felt like if there had been a little bit more, this could have easily been a pick of the week. Um, it opens up in the 19-teens during, during Prohibition when uh, the main character, uh, like I said, is a driver for the Italian mob. And there's a shootout with the Irish mob. And it looks like his his uh, guy in the truck is Al Capone before he's the boss. Mm. And then we leave that part of his world, jump to the 30s. And he's the whole conceit is he's telling his son on his deathbed this story about his life because he, he's never told anybody this before. And uh, he's in the 30s. He's graduated from medical school. He just can't get a job anywhere. And then he can't get a loan from the bank to start his own practice. And, um, so out of desperation, cause it's still the depression and everyone's starving is he goes to the hotel that, uh, Capone lives in and he goes to see his old, uh, buddy. And that's, that's sort of the extent of the entire issue. So there's, there's uh, not a ton here, but I, man, I was so happy to see, uh, this kind of story being told in comics cause it's, they're so few and far between now. Yeah. Like a, like, a, like a bit of a. Uh, a biography and and true history and a family mm-hmm. connection and I I I'm I am annoyed that I hadn't grabbed this or known what it was. I knew that it was a contender for patron pick. Uh, I just bought it. I will I will have it ready. That sounds like everything that I want to read. Uh, I, and there's an interesting. You know, there's there's what's interesting. There's a really great um, album in the back that's like family photos. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very mixed race family. So the guy, the main character, I think is half Cherokee, half black. He, there's a part of the beginning where he's, where he's talking about how he was, he was abducted, um, by his mom's tribe and taken to the reservation as a kid when it was, when that was still going on. Cause he was, you know, it was still the late 1800s when he was a baby. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, looks like he married a white woman and his grandson is very light skinned. So it's a very interesting, like, uh, uh, constellation of people in this family and the idea of him not being able to get ahead in the world because of his skin tone, which is not, not gone away in the, you know, in our society, but it's very starkly laid out here is, is, is very powerful um, storytelling in the beginning of when he's trying to go from bank to bank and hospital to hospital to get a job. And they're all telling him it's not personal. It's like, how could it be, how could it be any less personal? It's about my skin color. Um, it's very it's very well written. Peter, Peter Calloway, the writer, is is a TV writer. I, I, yeah, and, I recognize that name. And uh, George Jante is a veteran. We've been talking about him yeah. for years. He used to write the Buffy books and other stuff. Uh, it's it's a really well made package. Um, and Peter Calloway is uh, he's done shows you've heard of. I've lost his biography. It's okay. But. Um, yeah, I, I was very happy to see this kind of story. It really well told. It just felt very much like you know how we often talk about the first cold issue open. of an image comic being cold open. Yeah, this is this is sort of that. It's one of those that um, needed to the double. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 there's nothing bad about it. It ends on a on a, on a not so much a cliffhanger, but a, you know, a, well, what happens turn. next yeah. kind of situation. And it's nice. It just felt very like okay, that was really good. I'm I'm really excited for more of this. And I'm, hoping, I'm hoping there's a lot more of it. Very cool. Well, obviously, the story can't go on forever, but it's. Uh, if you're if you're the kind of person who's been looking for this kind of story, historical, uh, crime, race, mafia, it's got a lot of things going on here. It's not the mafia yet. Well, the syndicate. Okay. <laughs> the outfit. Lucky, Lucky Luciano has not set the rules. Well, um, this it's, it takes place in the 30s. Yeah, which was when anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that uh, they set the base that that was built upon. Anyway, that sounds awesome. Uh, over in Thor, I uh, I find it very interesting that I'm not I'm, I I I couldn't be bothered to really read the King in Black main series uh, or, mm-hmm. or or Venom. I tried many times actually during the thing. I was like, well, let me try this again. But over in Thor. Uh, is is the Donny Cates is doing a thing that I really do like. Um, it's it's a really kind of gruesome Thor story that feels like it has actual high stakes, you know, and and is very mm-hmm. tense and you know it's personal because there's this guy Donald Blake that everybody knows and cares about or thought they did, and it turns out that like he wasn't what they thought he was at all, and he was being tortured basically, you know, all these years because Thor's not. Thor and Odin are not the good guys here necessarily. Like, even if they weren't, it, it's one of those interesting things. Like, even if they're not aware of the thing that they were doing, they were still doing the thing to him. Which has well, a lot often of, these things end up being with the folly of the gods, and right? Is what, yeah, which has you know, social, it's just about they're they're arrogant. Yeah. They don't realize that the the destruction left in their wake, yeah. even if they're not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah, and uh, so that's a little what's happening here, and I, I, it's incredibly compelling. I, I, I don't like it when the issues are over, because I really want to know what's coming <laughs> next, and I thought that the end of this issue was really interesting and funny. And I think that one of the yeah. things that Donny Cates does so well is that he can take... He's working well within the the scope of a Thor book. His Thor speak is spot on. His his sense of melodrama is right there. But so at the end, here's the spoiler part. We warn people about this. You know, at the end, uh, Jane Foster is like, well, enough of this shit. And she goes to find Odin, who we've thought is dead for a long time. And he's in some space bar. And and like, that's the part that... Looking like, like a hipster trucker. Yeah, like, but that's the part where we're like, he is doing the traditional thing. But then you you get to a certain point. He's like, well, why does this have to be like the thing we've seen a thousand times before? I'm going to make this part a Rick Remender book. And mm-hmm. I was I was just pleased. It, I was like, okay, that's completely unexpected. It's it's you know, Odin shouldn't be dead. Odin needs to be part of the story. I think that's fascinating. You know, and, and apparently, it's maybe also he, comics. No one ever yeah, stays dead. And he's also a god. Gods don't die. Right. And and it's you know, it's adding one more personal element to this whole thing. Is this guy who. He is aware of what he's doing. Thor doesn't know. Thor just knows that his dad set up a bunch of shit. And, you know, he's like, I don't know. My life's pretty great. And, you know, <laughs> until he gets put in charge. But, like, Odin knows. Odin's responsible for everything. Odin's really been one of those great characters because he makes all the choices. And you don't know if it's malice or hubris or, you know, if he, just, if he is callous or he's just constantly having to weigh the greater good versus, you know, you know the, the ants underneath his feet. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm super into it. I think that the art is really fun. Yeah, we talked a lot about Donny Cates' books in the last few years, but we we haven't talked about him in conjunction with the Gosh scale, which I think his books, for the uh, most part, yeah, it, score very high uh, on the Gosh scale, um, especially in the Marvel cosmic realm. I mean, here you've got mm-hmm. uh, you've got Thor, you've got Jane Foster's Valkyrie, you have Doctor Strange, you have Th- Throg. You have oh god, um, I, I didn't forgotten about that part. There was a lot of throg in this, and it was super fun. And you have Lockjaw, and you just like he's you know, Donald Blake is just is just wrecking havoc across this particular world. And then no matter who they throw at him, he just he he knocks him back. And Thor's not even level, in these books. He's Thor stuck in a closet. Is, yeah, he's there's a one page of Thor where he's still he's still stuck yeah. in the shadow realm or whatever wherever Donald Blake would go, and he's being rained on by the. The Blood. sap of the world tree as Donald Blake tries to cut it down. 
Um, and you know, Throg is terrific. I love the, you know, it's, it's a cliche, it's a cliche or a trope, but the, the littlest one being the most powerful or the, or the hardest to beat. And, mm-hmm. and Throg proves very difficult to just to defeat, but he does get defeated by Donald Blake because we're only in issue four of six. Um, that whole beginning part was great where he comes flying out of Donald Blake's mouth. Donald Blake's lips are all mm-hmm. fucked up. And, um, I loved his, his, you know, transporting battle with, Lockjaw, because Donald Blake controls the Rainbow Bridge, so he can go anywhere. And they have Lockjaw, so they're constantly transporting all over the place to fight each other through time and space, and that's always fun. Yeah, I mean, it's just this is an incredibly fun comic book, mm-hmm. which yeah. is great. And the, the Nick line is inc- is awesome. He's a guy who, his, you know, he's been around for a bit. I, actually, I think the first thing I saw him on was a Rick Remender book. I, I don't remember what it was called, but uh, I think he's gotten a lot better. Too. Maybe Viking was the first thing that he was Viking on was the first thing with I think that I Ivan Brandon book. Anyway, yeah. you know, I kind of liked it then, but I wasn't quite. And like over time, every time I see him, he's getting better. And I, I think it's really fun to sort of see somebody, you know, evolve. Like they had a lot going for him at first, but now he's he's got, you know, skills and, and, and experience behind him. And uh, it's a it's a it's a really fun comic book. These are action. This was an action packed yep. issue. I mean, you know, the, the the things, the thing, the modern comic is all talky, but this is an action-packed issue. Mm-hmm. Every every page I'm looking at, there's, there's something big going on. And that's what he does, yeah. and I think that that's what you know. Probably Venom fans are probably really happy about is that like mm-hmm. the you know it's it's not it's just all action. It's you know stuff coming at you, and and over there he's working with Stegman, and that's what Stegman has been put on this earth to do. Right. You know, and also, but in the midst of the action, there's great character stuff in here Absolutely. too. I mean, you know, between Throg and Jane Foster, and there's and Donald Blake, there's a lot of you know great character stuff happening. Also, uh, you know, we we he referred to uh, the Pet Avengers, uh, our friend Chris Eliopoulos's, uh creation as making sure that it stays within the continuity, which I thought was nice. Yeah, so I I, I was you know this book's always super fun, but I, this was a particularly good, particularly good issue of Thor. I have some mixed feelings on Black Widow number five. And I have, I have an admission. I, I forgot to read this one. I, I did not quit it. I just realized like it was in the middle of the stack and I just missed it. So go, go on. Don't worry about me. This is the final issue of what I thought was a miniseries, but in fact, it's just the first arc of an ongoing. Mm-hmm. And well, the movie still isn't out, so they have to. Well, well that's the keep thing. Is this, oh, they're only this issue clearly, five. Clearly meant to be tied into the movie because it features several oh, yeah. characters we've seen in the trailers. Um. I would have been fine if this was a miniseries. So here's why. So this, you know, as as we've known from this this I was going to say mini, but this story, Black Widow was sort of abducted by her enemies and set up in this fantasy life. I'm sorry, she was set up in this fantasy life, and her enemies found out about it and are trying to trying to destroy it. I don't remember why she ended up in the fantasy life. It's not important. She had a husband and she had a kid. I think they were grown in a lab or something, weren't they? Like, they're they're not. Because she she wasn't gone long enough to have a baby. She's biologically, it's her kid. They're clones. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a clone. I, I don't remember, but something like that. Yeah. Because the kid had to be grown. Because he, he's he's like two years old. He's sure. she hasn't been gone that long. So this story has been about Clint and Winter Soldier, Hawkeye, Winter Soldier, trying to find her because she's been missing, and then save her from these um villains because she doesn't know who she is she's only been finding she's only been slowly revealing who she is or understanding who she is and it ends here with 
spoiler warning. Um, well, the first, last issue that her house got blown up with her husband and kid inside, and it ends here with her having to deal with their death. And, um, you know, going back into hardcore widow mode in order to do that, and then you know, fucking up all of her enemies. And this is a terrific. It's a terrific issue. Her her team just taking everybody out. And and it, it's funny because you have a really sort of badass Clint Barton in this issue, Ooh. who is slightly emotionally detached, like the movie version, but is 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 not the fuck up like he's been portrayed normally. Like he is uh, he is destroying people because he's so mad about what they did to her. Um, but then the reveal is that the, the husband and the kid aren't dead. They've been put into basically superhero witness protection, and she doesn't know where they are. She doesn't want to know where they are. And my problem is now you've now you've permanently changed with Black Widow. She she knows she's got a husband and a kid out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean you you don't you don't come back from that. Like that's like it's like Dam- it's like adding Damien and once you add, once you add the biological family into the mix, you're, you, you that character's changed now. Do you think that they also are- changed her costume, which is fucking bullshit. Do do well. I mean, you know, do you think that there are some characters to whom you can do that and some that you shouldn't? And therefore, I don't think you should do any characters, but I think there's some really? that are worse than others. Yeah. You don't think there's the, there's some characters that like don't. There's some that have to, they all have to live forever. So you, anytime you permanently change them, is a problem. But right, but it, uh, wouldn't wouldn't you be said that there there were things that happened in the first ten years that permanently changed them? If you think about it, like Gwen Stacy was killed, what an issue one hundred that permanently changed it. But that was a thing that that people liked, and I, like I know what you're getting at, but I think that there's Superman and Batman. When you mess with those, that can be really difficult. If you not, if you did it. Thing, with, supporting character, wives, girlfriends, husbands, father, the husbands, mm-hmm. boyfriends. I think it's different when you add kids into the mix. Mm-hmm. I think that's the real cha- the real challenge. It's not it's not spouses. But shouldn't some of the characters reflect that reality? No, because they have to live for a hundred years. They, but that, that's that's a whole other discussion. But the, my point is, you 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 don't all get over them? the death of a child. Yeah, all of them. They have to live forever. No, I know. They, but, they, but what I'm saying, like she was Black Widow important character but a supporting character up to the point that the movies came out and then she becomes a top tier sort of thing um uh, i don't agree with that she's no? been around for no, the I, 60s. I, I, she's been around forever <laughs> avengers since the 60s but there's 500 other characters just like that yeah but i don't i don't i don't agree she's a supporting character okay she was a second tier character I, I think she's the, yeah well so is iron man for until the movie came out exactly yeah. and he got um, baby in the movie but i wouldn't call him a supporting character uh Fair enough. I just I just worry about how you you know you it's a pretty major thing to do to the character, and you can sweep it under the rug and forget about it ever happened. It's certainly possible, but it's just harder to do uh, when you have a child involved. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the whole thing the whole thing with this issue is she's got to put it behind her, and move on, which she's certainly capable of doing this. But any character can do it. It's it's the cold Russian spy. But um, I thought it's easier to do that if you're just doing this miniseries that could be forgotten about. But if this is an ongoing series, I have to assume it's going to be an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter. That's that's outside the book, which I thought was terrific. It was, it was a really great issue. Yeah. I think, I think. I mean, this book, when I talked to Kelly for that show uh, a year ago, you know, the the movie was supposed to come out. This is going to be a tie-in. This is a really big deal. Yeah. And now yeah. it's a year later, you know, where only issue five has just come out. And you know, everything's in disarray. So I'm guessing some of that 
is you know, I, a lot of it's based on that probably like everything sort of got juggled and now things don't fit the way they're supposed to and comics companies aren't terribly great at making fits the way they were supposed to right in general they added you know, much like this glowy spider they've added a glowing line that runs up the entire side of both of her, her new suit and it's not really a good idea for a spy but i wonder if all those glowing bits have to do with the fact that when you shoot live action on these costumes and those details get lost and so they have to you know what i mean because movies are so dark now that mm-hmm. you know just to sort of delineate stuff they li- literally delineate them um you know they put that glowy thing on there and it bled its way into the comics like the uh, the leather jackets in 2000 i don't know um, it's just they, she's got a hood and glowing lines in her and it's just like this hoods, a lot of hoods i usually like yeah. hoods but they are getting a bit overdone yeah so taskmaster had a good hood now this is this was this was a fun issue. I, I I would like the conceit. There's a whole really terrific bit at the end between her and Clinton and her and James, talking about the sort of emotional fallout of 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 this and how it's affected both of her relationships. Because you know, she used to date Clint and she used to date James, and now she sort of had a husband that happened, a strange clone husband situation, and. So that, you know, they're both, sort of, they're all sort of traumatized. But it, it was a very, very good five-issue story. She's really good think with the like, characterization on that. No, and yeah. I don't think we were just talking about sort of larger issues and what's, yeah. which is an interesting conversation. It's a very, very good comic. Yes. Uh, Mac Weldon is our sponsor mm-hmm. for this week. We are always glad to have Mac Weldon back because it is a product that we, that we enjoy, that we like, that we mm-hmm. support. And we know that right now, for many, much of the United States, it's hard to think about spring, but... It is coming, apparently. Uh, after taking a brief hiatus from, from outdoor activities and, and work routines, it is almost time to get back into the grind with new spring essentials from Mack Weldon. And it will come upon you very soon, especially if you are a skier. You'll, you'll find your days are numbered. So pretty soon it will be warmer and you're going to need to do that stuff. And oh boy, it, it, you've never needed a workout like you have after pandemic winter. Oh, never, yeah. never has that happened with body mapping technology because you want to be comfortable and fabric mesh zones. Mac Weldon's stealth boxer briefs deliver enhanced breathability and support. They're perfect for everyday wear or to be layered beneath workout gear. Uh, and there's sweatpants you can wear outside without feeling like you're wearing sweatpants, like the ace line. Uh, of sweatpants which connor and i are, are big boosters of um yep. it's quality fit uh there what do you do i've always been an active gent even though i'm in the the, the sliver of the country that's not covered in snow right now mm-hmm. as we record this as 70 percent of the country is currently covered in snow uh it's still cold out which means i'm still not going out and doing the things that i normally do plus the fact that it, there's a pandemic on but um i would normally be going out and, and walking more and doing things that i did in the springtime so once it starts warming up a little bit, because uh, it's still it's still chilly here, it's LA chilly. LA uh, chilly is chillier outside. than you expect. Yeah, you can get back outside for um, long walks, uh, perhaps perhaps some beach yoga. It depends on, on what's going on. And what you the the thing is, what you find is that when you're active every day, you need a lot of outdoor Ooh. active wear, and that's where these products, stealth boxers, come in, things like that. You uh, now you are very much a winter sport man. I am, I am. But but you know what? I have uh, I have several pairs of uh, the active uh, wear type of of boxer. But you like you like a spring hike. I do. The woods. I do. And what you want to do then is a layering thing. 
And mm-hmm. I find that these 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 products work very well underneath those layers. There's a long uh, discussion about whether you're supposed to wear underwear under your sort of mid base layer thing. Uh, y- you probably should. And and this is really good for that is what I found. I, I did some of these uh, skiing the other day uh, underneath uh, a merino base layer, and that worked very well. Well, you got, you got nice breathability, you know, and that's the thing with my golden products. Are, they're great. It's that, but the most important thing is you want to get that moisture away from your skin. Like that's sure. the key thing. And they do that really well. While, you know, the stealth bit, they, you know, they don't bunch up under there or anything. I remember when I was in high school, I used to wear boxer shorts under everything. And it was yeah, the I, I, I thing. Yeah, I just – think about that now it's like everything used to bunch up and it was awful the question is though when you put on the stealth box or do you disappear like a super spy i mean it's possible that my midsection does entirely the fact is no one sees it so it's like a tree falling in the forest kind of situation <laughs> right. that'd be awesome yeah it'd be like stealth bomber technology you just can't be seen <laughs> so mac weldon is your one-stop shop for socks shirts hoodies underwear polo active shirts mac weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit they look great they feel great from working out going out going to work or a date or being in your house all the time depending on what your everyday life is that is what mac weldon is for there's a, l- a large range of technology customized fabrics uh they can keep up with you no matter what your day looks like and they didn't write this here but i will tell you the stuff holds up i've had some of these things for years uh and it still it still fits it didn't stretch oh, yeah. out uh really quality stuff uh for sure they is also weldon blue the totally free loyalty program level one gets you free shipping for life that's all you gotta do once you you reach level two by spending uh two hundred dollars then you get 20 percent off every other order for the next year uh it is a good time to stock up for this stuff and when it gets warm again you want to be outside you'd really like to be comfortable and that is what mac weldon wants they want you to be comfortable if you do not like your first pair of underwear you keep them and they will still refund you no questions asked for 20% off your first order. And I can't imagine anyone listening here is at their first order, but if this is the time... Oh, there's, I'm sure there's many people out there. Get on, get on it. That was like a little joke. That oh, was like saying that we had convinced everyone and they're all like, oh, yeah. Josh, I can't make my years. first order again. Um, <laughs> visit MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy and enter the promo code iFanboy. And that is MacWeldon.com slash iFanboy, promo code iFanboy, 20% off your first order. They are reinventing men's basics. And we thank them for sponsoring the show and for and for making a cool thing that, that makes life a little better. Are you still on Stillwater? I am. I am. Issue 6, Chip Zdarsky, Ramon Perez, Mike Spicer, Russ Wood. I think it's an interesting book. I, I don't know if I love it, but I feel like every issue, something interesting happens in it. Yes, and it is – this trope, this concept, this thing feels like it could be a million other image books. It feels a little Walking Dead-ish. Yes, but there is enough skill going on here. I mean, we, we've said enough things about Ramon Perez to last a lifetime, although it's an understated thing for him. It's not – you know, it's a very real-life kind of looking stuff. It's a monthly, yeah. monthly style as opposed to like his graphic novel style. Yeah, and, he- and – you know, Zadarsky. I couldn't pin Zadarsky down as sort of a, a, a voice. You know what I mean? Like he does a lot of different things pretty well. I think that's really great, though, that he does a lot of different styles. Yeah. You know, everyone gets pigeonholed in sort of their style, and which is I totally get. It's easier to sell the, the, the style, but I like that he can do a lot of different things. Yeah, and it, and, and like I, like I was saying, like you know, as a concept, if you were to tell me about this, I'd be like, all right, fine. You know, the name sold me on this, and I think the names are the things that keep me around. But at a certain point, it's not just the name. It's, well, there is there is something interesting going on here. There's something compelling that in a lot of image books by lesser, less uh, talented or less experienced creators, I would have dropped off by now. 
and I haven't. There, there was something. Um, so the town of Stillwater, as as we talked about before, is a town in which no one um, ages, gets hurt, or dies. So if you if you if you die, you you come back. If you get hurt, you regenerate very quickly. And we also don't age. And and we, as we've seen before, that we have a kid who grew up in the town and was smuggled out has come back as an adult. And so that's sort of the the, the way into this story. Yeah. This issue was all about the town asshole slash sheriff enforcer who had who was ex-military and has apparently smuggled in all of his uh, ex-military buddies and now they're going to take over the town. That's like what this issue is all about. They were a marine. They're, they're marines. And and yeah. uh, and you know he goes to the reunion and they they're like, hey, you don't look like that. I I really there was there's some scenes in here with his I don't know his commanding officer you know who sort of catches yeah. him and he thinks one thing is going on but a different thing is and. You know, they're they're weaving this thing where they're building the world. Listen, it's a think piece about a mid-level town struggling See, with its own success. Its own immortality. So they're they're the, I thought the last issue was really interesting about the sort of resistance, the underground resistance. Yes. The only the only thing I thought was off about that was I think is really underestimating, underselling the problems of this would actually they're like, oh, if people find out, they'll like you know, we'll all be scientists will take us apart. It's like, no, every single human being on the face of the planet will try to come to your town. That's what will happen. If, yeah. I, I if, kept if, thinking, I, I kept thinking about like the logistics of it. Like, yeah. like does Amazon deliver there? Like, they, like there's no way in this world to keep people out of a town. And it's good. This, this story would have worked 50 years ago, a lot easier. Right. Um, yeah. It's good though. Yeah. I, so I, 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 I mean, I think there are, there, there are things they're not necessarily thinking all the way through, but it's, it's still interesting. And I, I, I am enjoying it. Um, and I'm going to assume you didn't read Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Last Ronin Number Two. I'm not. I'm shocked that you did. That we're talking about this. Well, we, you know, the first issue was the patron pick, and we we both did enjoy it. And I think one of the things we talked about as I scroll through the 75 variant covers is um, it, that was a really terrific issue. And I think we th- what we said was this would have been a terrific one shot. Mm-hmm. And the question was, what is this going to be like as a series? First of all, it took four months for the second issue to come out. So that's a problem right off the bat. Um, and I think, I think what I thought sort of bared out, this was a fine, this issue was fine. It was, it was good. It, it, it flashed back. It, it showed us a lot more how we got to this point where Michelangelo is the only turtle left alive. And <clears throat> at the end of the last issue, he finds April O'Neil, who's got like a prosthetic leg and arm. And we find her family and her daughter with Casey Jones, who's also named Casey. And we, a lot of it is flashing back to sort of, you know, the end of things, Splinter's dying and he's clearly, they got attacked by the hand and the other turtles are going for revenge. It was fine. It was good. I, I, I don't have anything negative to say about it other than it wasn't as strong and as interesting as the first issue, which I still think would have been like a really incredible one, one shot issue. Is it supposed to be an ongoing? I think it's a miniseries. I think it's a six issue miniseries. Uh-huh. I think, but you know, it, it's Eastman and Laird, and they have a cameo in the, as two guys on the subway here, and it, it has 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 a has a feel that I really do enjoy as a turtle fan in the eighties. Sure. But I, I don't know if I'm going to stick with it or not. I can't decide. I really I really did enjoy that first issue. I mean, you're this talking, issue was fun, was fun. At this rate, you're you're talking about two to three issues like three a years. Year. So you know, yeah. it's not it's not a huge commitment. That's true, but it's also you know. It's got to. I got to remember to read it and remember what happened in it. But um, I haven't decided. I didn't think this was bad at all. I just was like, it wasn't as strong. It wasn't as compelling, as interesting as. The, the more we find it out, the less interesting it's gotten, which is how a lot of things are in comics. So mm-hmm. I don't know how far I'll stay with this. 
How about Marvel 5? Did you read that? I did. I did. What's funny, when you wrote it there, I thought, oh, crap, I didn't read it. And then I was like, oh, yes, I did. And then I was reminded that, oh, man, Gene Ha is one of my favorite artists, and we never get to see his work. Um, yeah, this is the uh, anthology book set, you know, vaguely. Yeah. I don't even, I don't think you can even say set in the Marvel, Marvel, Marvel's universe, but it's just a Mar- Marvel, timeless Marvel anthology. Yep. And it features three stories, which I thought were all, I thought were all good, but one, the first by Gene Hans, Anna Ken, and the team behind Top Ten. And, well, yeah, Mar- with a, <laughs> my, they, my they did some with Alan Moore and some without. Behind Top Ten. And uh, then an Adam Hughes story and a Mark Wade story, which, which I want to get to too. But. Which Adam Hughes just you know getting getting sequentials from Adam Hughes is great. And we had World War II, Captain America. I was the, this was everybody loves a good Wong story. I think you know. Oh, the the, the, the Gene Haas Entertainment story was a day in the life of Wong, and I thought it was great. It was. It, it was. Exa- I was like, I've read this in a Hellblazer book, but whatever. Um, <laughs> And and the Captain America story as a well, it was Nick Fury. Yeah, it was Nick Fury. Uh, uh, you know, drinking in a bar after the war is over, uh, and and you know he's he's basically drinking to the memory of of Captain America, who he believed had died at the end of it. Um, and I loved it. I hadn't I hadn't is is beautiful and is just a really good one. And then uh, one you, you you talk about Wolverine and Hulk. Well, I mean, it, it was a story about how. Um... You know, Cyclops does not like Wolverine. We know that. We all know That's that. That's true. But uh, so he's trying to convince Professor Xavier that Wolverine is not worth being on the team. It's just he's got too many problems. He's he's too overly emotional. He uh, and then you know the whole thing is is all the all the points of contention that Cyclops has. Professor Xavier says is a strength. You know, his strength is his rage. His it's his strategy. You just can't. You know, it's different. And and it was. I would say it's great. It was the least great story of the three, yes. but it, I thought it was entertaining, and I thought the art was interesting from uh, Lucio Perillo. 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 Perillo Tours. This is like one of those sort of like Italian artists that we used yeah. to see a lot in the early 2000s, like this with all the rage kind of art. Uh, you know, I'm trying to think of that one guy who just did everything for a while. Um, but it's interesting because uh, Cyclops, and you can see here that he's in his X Factor uniform, so we can say, oh, okay, he's younger, but not, not well, sort no, of no, no, no. This is his nineties. This is his nineties uniform. Okay, well, I always think of that as his X Factor thing, but either way, no, early, no, no. early nineties thing. So let's say he's a youngish commander, but he's not sort of a new newbie. And I think that uh, a good commander would recognize the strengths of of the people. In his he just team. he can't see beyond his hate and jealousy because okay. Gene wants to bang Wolverine. That makes him a bad commander. Bad management. Everyone is human, and well, no. His, that spot He's is not over. human. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I got I got all Krakoa. I'm like, whoa, man, don't paint that on me. The um, first two stories of this were cr- terrific. The third one, I, I enjoyed the third one. Too, I mean, but the third, the, we also can talk about Adam Hughes' art all day, and we know what that's going to give you, but he wrote a great story. Wonderful dialogue, great timing, great storytelling. I mean, it's... I don't want to say it's a shame he's, you know, because he's probably do, but, you know, to have him not do sequentials more often is feels like a loss. Well, think about the fact that we had... Gene Ha and Adam Hughes doing sequentials in the same comic book. I know that's crazy. That's pretty. That's pretty crazy. That's what happens when you put, you know, Alex Ross and and Kurt Busiek in charge of putting mm-hmm. a comic book together. Is that you get these guys to come out and do the stuff? And I don't know that. Oh God, this is going to sound like an old person thing. I don't know that today's fan base can really know or appreciate that stuff because it's not part of their experience or how rare it is. Yeah, and how how special. Yeah, totally. Um, I wanted to talk briefly about Family Tree. Uh, I'm which, hanging on by my fingernails with this book. I really like this book. I have no idea what it is, but <laughs> I, like when it comes out, I think, oh, "Am I going to read this?" And I read it, and I'm compelled because I don't 
fully understand it. And <laughs> that's why I'm hanging out with my finger. No, and and I get it, but there's a weird there's something compelling about the world that's going into and why basically there there's this family and their daughter has turned into the tree that has basically ended the world and killed all of humanity, but they're rooting for the tree because it's their daughter. And right. it's just such a weird concept that is in the middle of this sort of sort of straightforward kind of apocalypse kind of book. And I, and, mm-hmm. and I think the combination of, we're going to talk about Jeff Lemire again in a minute, but it's very weird what he turned into, what I'm realizing recently. And, and sort of this come out of him. And then I think just... Phil Hester is is a great artist. I love yeah, him as an artist. Yeah, that's really why I'm so reading. And also, I so I looked at this issue and thought, well, do I want to read this? And I thought, well, it's only twelve issues, so mm-hmm. I've come this far. Yeah, <laughs> might as well finish it. Um, I couldn't tell you why. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like I think it's a great book or the best one I've read, but I find it compelling. And every time I read it, I'm I'm glad that I read it. I don't know, I don't mm-hmm. know what that means, but there you go. Those are the books we want to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. It's called The Patron Pick. And this week, the patrons chose Snow Angels, number one, a comicsology original. It's our first for the show, one of the a comicsology original comic, written by Jeff Lemire with art by Jack and letters by Steve Wands. Jack, one of our favorite artists, who you don't see much because he does a lot of uh, Hollywood work. Yeah, film concept work. Yep. What I, what and, I, uh, go ahead. Here's the question I got from this. Can someone get Jeff Lemire a puppy? Well, I mean, this is the thing from the trees to this to other. Sweet tooth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of post-apocalyptic stuff. In fact, only post-apocalyptic stuff. And, you know, we've met the guy. He doesn't seem like the world's darkest person. Mild-mannered. I think he might be. And this is a, you know, he's a Canadian, so very friendly on the outside, just dark and evil on the inside. That's right. I haven't offended Canadians for some time, but uh, it, it is dark interesting in there. that all of his books are the same genre. At least all the books that I'm aware of at the moment. But he's all like, it's um, interesting. He's also getting better at it. He's very good. It's just yeah. like it's it's like oh, an, another post-apocalyptic book. Yeah. Was there another one this week? Uh, this is one of those weeks where he all got, books came out. He's got three right now because Sweet Tooth was last. Family week. Tree, Sweet Tooth was last week. Snow Angels. I guess that was it. Yeah, you know what I found really interesting about this is that, and I made a connection that I don't really have, and we haven't even talked about the book itself. But uh, yeah. Jock, he needs a puppy. Jock isn't all that far off from Jeff Lemire's own work. Is what, what I got. I got the feeling that like thematically, it fit very. well. I mean, his art, like oh, the art, yeah, it, it fits doesn't totally really story. like I, when I think of of. I was looking at this one. I was looking at Sweet Tooth last week. Jeff Lemire's art is very strange, and the the fact that oh, he's got, I see what you mean. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like this actually doesn't feel so far off that from the work that's being done by him, you know, drawing on Sweet Tooth. I I mm-hmm. don't know why that is. The styles aren't as different as I would have thought. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like Jock does a little more dramatic Jock's angles bit, and stuff but well, Jock, they're all angular people yeah um, Jock's a, is obviously more naturalistic than Lemire's is Lemire's more cartoony but they, they, it's a very similar family yeah there's a um, looseness in it there's a you know a, um, an impressionistic part of it that, that I, I had not put together until I was reading it because I kind of forgot it was Jock I was very aware it was Jeff Lemire which is interesting I think uh, all that said uh, this is a weird story and I don't know what it is yet and it was 
again, I, I don't want to keep harping on this, but like if these aren't the names involved, it would have been absolutely terrible. Probably. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say that because the art was terrific, but I meant um, the, the names, both of them. I mean, I'm saying yeah. again, this is the kind of book that doesn't sound great on the surface and, and, but, but given the people doing it, there's, there's a thing that I'm waiting for something great to come out of it, but a lot of lesser talented creators could not make this into something. So that the, would be cont- a father and two of his daughters are skating down the trench, which is a giant snowy trench with ice at the bottom. It seems endless. And they went out to get food and you and don't it back leave the, the trench and you don't, you don't go too far trench. from where you are in the trench like there's a rule that was set up very early and I was like that is terrifying like, it's, it's really set up and it is, it is very oppressive you know all, they're all the constant this whole story takes place inside this walled snowy trench so it's very claustrophobic and, and everyone and, skates everywhere which is like you know like one of the early things is like Jeff Lemire did a bunch of books about hockey and these Canadians yeah. who was into it but like really your main thing here is skating and I thought it was really funny and I, it was unique I was like I've never seen a book where everybody has to skate everywhere and the sort of sound effect of the skates is like a, a dramatic element it's like yeah. a thing it's part of the characteristic of it and and like the bad guys on skates too it's just... and so they come back and of course you know there's been a massacre and everyone's dead and uh not a lot happens. And there's a dude called the snow, the snowman who's their sort of like their urban myth who mm-hmm. may or not be responsible. They have to pretend to be dead. And this guy, you know, standing over the bodies with the bloody blade and a cape and a sci-fi mask. Mm-hmm. The, the designs are all great. I mean, I'm happy to see any jock. I don't know. I don't know if I feel compelled to read more, but it would be the- hard to to not read more if, because I don't ever see Jock's art. Same way of Adam Hughes and Gene Ha. I bet that this would be, I know that it's a comicsology original and so it'll be serialized in the way, but I bet that this would be better to read as one thing. Yeah. That's my guess. And Lemire, I think. He's a graphic novelist. He's a. Yeah, that's kind of the deal. Like he's not the master of the, of the end page, you know, wait for the next one. He's telling a story in chapters and it's, it's all formed well, but I, I think he's also somewhat sparse. So it doesn't feel like you get a lot of story in each issue. Yeah, and th- these are not complaints. These are just what I would say to be qualities. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, there's not a lot of happens. They they're coming back on the skates, kish 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 kish, and I think and then there's good characterization between the little family, yeah. I think, and the, the two the two daughters and and how they work, and you know, how did the world get like this? What the, what's with this trench? I want those questions answered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Snow Angels number one from Comicsology ratings three and a half. 3.75. I think that lately we've been getting a lot of books that are almost fours. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that, it, but four, I feel like you really have to earn a four. Like there has to be a thing that puts you over the top. And I don't know that that's special. And the thing for me is a four is, is, a, is a probably will read again. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. And uh, that's why I've got 375 because I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not sure if I read it the next issue or not. I think or if I'll fair. wait. I think, I think, I think this will probably come out some some way in, in paper form, mm. uh, collected form. So I don't know. We'll find out. So that's the Patreon pick. <clears throat> Patreon.com slash iFanboy is where you can go to vote. But if you give it the $5 higher level, you get your superpower live on the show. Uh, like these two fine folks. Carrie Pierce can do one gigantic Hulk-like leap per day. One Hulk leap per day. Yeah. 
uh, a mile. I don't know how far can the Hulk leap. I, how, how, like, I feel like he can go pretty sleep. far. Like he could do yeah. like a hundred or two hundred miles or something like that. Two hundred mile leap. But you could see oh, what the problem is if you only get to do that once a day. Yeah, you gotta get back. I always wonder what sort of accuracy the Hulk has on places. Is it just is he flinging himself one direction, come what may, right. or or can it be like going to Dallas? But good question. I mean, you think by now the Hulk's done it a lot. He's got some sort of control over his leaps, but maybe he just sort of flings himself in the general direction, and he's got to go back. He's got to backtrack sometimes. He's gotten better at it, like an artillery brigade. You know, like Hulk too far. Yeah, <laughs> but he's got another one in him. You know, and I, like you've got the idea that okay, I can only do it once. I like doing it. It's real fun to leap a couple hundred miles. <laughs> but do I want to waste it today? And how am I going to get back? Well, yeah, that's true. I mean, you can't. You know, besides, you don't want to jump to Dallas right now. It's uh, I well maybe you know, he, maybe he can help. How do you try? As long as he's around? got winter gear. You know, it's okay. I don't know. There's a lot of problems involved with it. I don't know if it's a good thing. Perhaps I should have thought it out more. But the fact is, I'm but a cipher. This is this is a power sure. that he has. I'm, I didn't, I mean, it popped into my You're head. You're but the I'm, messenger. I'm, I don't know that I created it. It's mm-hmm. it's it's what happened. <laughs> there's, Stuart a, Watson. there's a fatality to these patron powers. <laughs> Stuart Watson is uh, a human solar power battery. So Stuart absorbs the sun and then he sort of uh can charge and emanate electricity around him to the various things you need you need powered like a low grade but very utilitarian and useful superman yeah he he absorbs the sun and uh you know charge your phone charge your laptop like a like a wireless charging situation or does he have a usb port (laughs) it's a contact thing He, he he can touch the thing and then it's, it's powered. It's, it's like it's, it's like it's plugged in. It's like he could walk up and and put his hand on your TV and it would have power. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a he's a human solar panel charger. What's the what's the what's the wireless charging platform? It's a Chinese word. Uh, uh, okay, it doesn't matter. Um, so I have one in my does. truck. It's it's on the oh. it's in the little like, you just put it's a little pad that you put your car on or your phone on. I see. Which is a great thing. Who knew that existed? Does it work? Yeah. I don't use it. I use the plug because it's faster, but it's still, I can tell anybody else, hey, put your phone down there. I was very excited when I got it because I was like, oh, cool. I Maybe I'll have to get a thing. And then I, it turned out that that was just a default function of the iPhone I had. And I was thrilled because that's new technology. <laughs> Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go. You can vote for the Patreon pick. You can get your superpower live in the show like uh, Carrie and Stuart. Thanks for both being patrons. And also... Over there, that's how you can unlock great content if you want to support the show. If you want to keep the show going, it's the primary way that people help. And they unlock great shows like the Talk Splodes and Book Splodes and Media Splodes and the YouTube shows and the Hangouts. All that stuff's been unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. And uh, we thank everybody that does that. We like doing all those shows and we, we like putting the content out. We, ugh, I hate that word. I'm trying not to use it anymore. I agree. We like putting the, show, we like putting the shows out. We like putting, uh, we like doing these things. We like having the conversations. We like interacting with all of you. We we, we really enjoy all that comes out of, out of the patron groups, and so it's a really great community to be a part of. Even if even for just a dollar, it's you can you can do that. And we have stretch goals. The next stretch goals, yet another show about the GI Joe cartoon from the eighties. And after that is the quarterly barbecue video show, which we'll we'll come back to do uh, with a doctor's note from our various doctors saying yes, you are allowed to eat barbecue once a quarter. Hmm. We'll have to. We'll have to show nice. that. Carol, Carol's demanding it for the for our files. 
It's key charging, QI. It's a, that's, the, that's the wireless charging standard. I'm sure there's hundreds of people like, oh, come on, and they're mad. So I, I wanted to make there's sure. There's also the Patreon them. Facebook group and the Patreon Discord server, both fun communities. They have a feel from the old iFanboy days when we had our Revision 3 forums and the website. Uh, they're really fun communities that uh, often uh, there's lots of good friendships going on there. So there's lots of fun reasons to be part of the Patreon groups. Or patreon.com slash fanboy, and we hope you consider joining and helping the show. One of the things that I like about the patron powers is that I recognize so many of the names from over the years, and I always like mm-hmm. that. And I don't I can't always necessarily put together, but I know a lot more of them than I would I would think I would. And I I just like that. I'm always really really appreciative. I'm like, oh I've I've known this name for fifteen years. You know? Yeah, I, I knew great. Stuart Watson's name. It's amazing. Yep, I love that. You can get t-shirts at ifanboy.threadless.com. We've got our eight t-shirts. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pickley Podcast, ratings if one is Electro, GDAT, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters, Stay Home and Read Comics. Those are our shirts. You can get them, the designs on things other than shirts, but primarily shirts, and we thank everyone who does that. And you can still contribute to the comic. United Fund by buying the Stay Home and Read Comics design, which is still a good good lesson. We are still out, out of the woods. Stay home and read some comics. And uh, so new designs will be coming as we think of them, and that's that's just the way of the world. Ifanboy.com slash support, direct donation via PayPal, and Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. You can find the Books Blood books at a general Amazon link, and we thank everyone who does all those things. Again, uh, the show would not be uh, here without you, I and mean, we do appreciate everyone who supports the show. Email? Okay. Yeah, I was just looking through Let's do that first one, and then we'll go from there. Scott H. from Portland, Oregon. When you're talking about a book, is it easier to discuss when you know you need to come up with a rating? Is it easier if you don't? Does it depend? What do you think? I think that people take the ratings very seriously. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, more seriously than we do. Well, I'm, I was going to say, I'm guessing that you're with me. Is that the rating is almost always an afterthought? The rating's a gimmick. The rate, yes, and it's because people want to do a thing on it, and kind of it's a it's it's a bit more than anything else. We like, started the bit in 2011 for the New 52 launch as a tribute to Mike and Tommy Snacks, who would rate their snacks at the end of every episode. Ratings. And we, Ratings. So we just decided, we as as big fans of the show, we would do a tribute and rate the New Fifty Two books. People liked it, and we kept the gimmick going slightly just for the patron picks and you know special edition shows. But really, I remember one guy got mad that he wrote in and got mad because like we would do like three point six seven five, and it's like they're afterthoughts. They're just sort of jokey, gimmicky bits we well, do. I mean, the fact is that they don't... I mean, we're not, I'm not lying about the rating. No, These absolutely. Are, we take that. The book, but, it's, but it's just not really the, the point. Well, I mean, the thing that when we talk about the books, like we... I guess this is called a review show and we've called it that. To me, I like... Show. It is a discussion show and the thing that interests me the most uh, when we're talking about a book is why we did or didn't enjoy something. Or why, you know, something that was, it was like, it's really about you and I, you know, mm-hmm. and other people have been on here trying, else, yeah. trying to understand what works and what doesn't work about comics and trying to find those little magical bits that, that put something over the edge or that make you go, oh, right, that's why I love these things. Like, that's what the conversation is, mm-hmm. you know, and that a billion things can, can factor into that and in your experience and it's always subjective or whatever. But I think other than, you going into a specific one going, this book was great, you know, or oh, that book wasn't great. Then the conversation, the interesting part, the review is why is that? 
You know, like what happened here? How much of my personal opinion has anything to do with that? How much of a thing, you know, something new, something unique that is is put in there or something that, you know, is classic? Like that's what's interesting. And the the rating, you know, it's it's kind of fun to do, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, and we used to do ratings more uh, on the website. We, you know, every every book could be rated, um, and that was fun. But like at the end of the day, like it's just not, it's not that big of a deal. No, no. Do you want to do the next one? Sure. Oh, Greg M from the Pine Barrens, in New Jersey. <laughs> that Russian's still out there. I just reread last year Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen by Fraction Lieber, and I was delighted to find it was even better the second time around. What comics have you reread recently that you loved more the second or third time? If you can avoid classics like Watchmen and New Frontier that we all know get better every time. I mean, that really be, is. The, those are the – what is that? I just got bad news for Greg. Yeah. I, I don't know that I go back to a lot of my – I'm rereading Preacher right now, and I know that that's like an obvious thing. But that's kind of the mark of a great book is that you you really do want to go back and, and do it. I mean like – The nature of the show means we're constantly having to read new yeah. things. And just any 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 spare time – if it's not for a book explode, I'm not I'm not really going back and rereading any of the single issues we talk about, just by the yeah. nature of time. But you buy a lot of collected editions. You must go back. Yeah, to some but those, of those are and those, those can't are all be your favorite. You have hundreds of them, though. Mm, you must. I, I mean, and listen, I have tons and tons and tons of comics and graphic novels and stuff that I do not go back and read. They're here. I don't know why they're here. Well, but, I, I I've I've really changed. My buying habit. I tend to only buy really the, the classic stuff that I really, really want to shelf. Like I when I, when we recently moved, I, I went through and got rid of two boxes worth of trades. I was like, I'm never gonna look at that again. Yeah, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff I not, I got rid of. I mean, I donated. Um, so I don't like I don't you know I got rid of almost all the new 52 trades that I had gotten originally. Like I got rid of a lot of stuff. So I really only buy like that was a really terrific. You know, Mr. Miracle. Right. You know, that kind of thing. So I think, you know, in, this, in that same way, though, like, I I think that if I'm giving something a reread, it's probably something that I loved in the first place. I'm not going to go back and read something that I was mediocre on. Even if it turns out to be great later, I wouldn't really know that. I, I would think, what I would think is, you know, I haven't read Preacher in five years. I want to read Preacher again because it's one of my favorites. Or even Watchmen. Like, I know that every I, this, I know you said not do this, but I know that every time I read Watchmen, I'm going to be more impressed than I was the last time I read it. And I think that's what makes those masterpieces. Mm-hmm. I think it's less likely that you're going to find like a run of Ed Brubaker, Captain America. Well, those I have that book, but you know, like just a random run by somebody you really like. You go back and read it and really get a whole lot more out of it that you didn't before. I mean, I'm sure there's not a lot of books we would, but again, it's just, it's just a time factor. It's it's you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two or three nights a week, I'm reading books for the show, and then there are the nights I'm trying to read non-comic stuff, and yeah. I just don't have a lot of time to go back. Even books that are great, like you know, Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen was terrific. I, I don't, I don't know when if I'll ever go back and reread it. It was really terrific. The only, the only thing I can think of is there's stuff that I've gone back and read that I didn't the first time or didn't finish or whatever. They're almost always Garth Ennis books, like. I read through all of Hitman and I had read most of it. And the Mm -hmm. next time I read it, I was like, this is superior. Like it was, it was really great. And then based on that one, I read all of the, um, uh, uh, authority Kev, Kev was this Mm -hmm. weird character that he created to, to go with the authority. And I read through all those and they were, they were brilliant. I mean, I think we read, um, 
We went through Sleeper again a year or two ago for the... Yeah, but that's where books bloats. I know that, but but like that's the closest to sort of like a thing that was pretty good. They went back and it's almost it's almost more that like instead of finding more in it, I mean, we're different readers, but to go back and confirm like this thing, sometimes the things that you loved 10 or 15 years ago, maybe weren't that great, you know, right. when you go back to them, but it's always cool to go back to something and and see like, oh, wow, this, this is still really cool. I, you know, there was something of that then. Um I've done it. I can't think yeah. of a ton of things outside. There's just, there's of my just the churn. There's the nature of the churn. Is yeah. the nature of the churn is difficult. It just doesn't leave a lot of time for rereading. I have read Carl Barks's Scrooge McDuck Volume One book like ten times with mm-hmm. the kids. So I've gone back to that a bunch of times, and I'm always just. It's kind of always just impressive how fun it is and how the cartooning is. But it's not. That's the, that's the closest one I could get when I'm looking at my shelf right now. No, that's a classic. Yep. And that's that's yep. yeah. I think what I think what he's talking about is you know comics we talk about in the show that we really liked mm-hmm. you know from last year or whatever you know it's like that's not going to happen because happen. my house happen. is actually full of classics and yeah. those classics need more time I'm looking at like Electra Assassin right now it's like I should read mm-hmm. that again or you know yeah but yeah. but but that that big book of Velvet that I have over there probably not going to happen and I I liken it to TV shows you yeah. know like yes yes like. There are shows I watch every week or whatever, and I really enjoy them, but I'm never going to like rewatch them. But it doesn't mean I didn't really enjoy them and found value in them. Do you rewatch? Do you tend to be a rewatcher of series that you love, though? In the old days, before there was a fire hose of new stuff, right? And 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 what happens to me is that I get overwhelmed by the new stuff, and I'm like, eh, and I'll go back and I will watch one of the five to ten series that I loved. I just watched Halt and Catch Fire again. I've watched West Wing. You know, six, eight. Well, I mean, times. I just, you know, we talk about the Sunday but I just, you know, rewatch Psych. I've watched that yeah. show. That's just, like, there's, there, you know, but it's not like, uh, you know, some random show I like. I'm not going to go back and rewatch Castle. it. Again. It's, just, it's the same, it's the same, <laughs> same concept. You know, the new stuff comes out week to week and you enjoy it in the time and it's valuable and it's good and it, it's high, well crafted. And, but I, all, I, all that I've gotten out of this conversation right now is that I just need to empty my shelves because it's wasting time and, and putting stress on my floors. And my kids don't care. There was a while where I was like, well, maybe my kids will want to read this stuff someday. Not the case. Well, you don't know that. They're, no, they're I know. Still pretty, I know. They're, they're still pretty young. They don't seem to like anything that I've ever heard of or like. <laughs> well, you should tell them uh, a YouTuber made them. They would probably watch a video of a YouTuber reading my books before they'd read my books. That's not even a joke. <laughs> You should just create a channel and just have some read the books on the channel, and then I'll they spike can watch my hair all up and get really excited and like hide my face. Contact at ifanboy.com. You can write in like Scott and Greg. Thanks for writing in. And here's what's coming or what's happened previously. We had the Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King comics books blowed recently. And we also had the Animation Brain Trust discussing Batman, Soul of the Dragon. Both those shows are behind this one on the feed, and you can enjoy them as we enjoyed making them. So those are back there. So I have uh, I have an update. Connor, I don't think I've shared this with Connor. Uh, I had a Toxplode that was all set to go, and then the, the person got sick, and we mm-hmm. haven't been able to reschedule it yet. Um, actually, I got to check and see that they're okay. Um, I have two other Toxplodes scheduled to record in the near future. So we've talked about this before. Your 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 number will be satisfied. Um, it's just maybe three in a month. It, that's actually very possible. This is going to happen. So there will be six this year. Uh, there will yep. not be one this month. And there will be there will be three. I, 
I don't know what the well, schedule is. Well, this month has like. got one more week in it. Right, I know. And, and so I you probably tech- won't have it. Uh, that's not necessarily true, my friend. Well, this week we have our media split, which we're recording. Right. Uh, if, as you hear this, we will, we will hopefully have already recorded it. So there'll so be a media split this right. week. You're right. I won't be doing it. It'll be uh, we'll be talking about Cobra Kai as our main topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of new content coming out like a fire hose. And that'll be this week. And because many of you have asked in all the places you can ask, we are not planning on doing a special edition show on Zack Snyder's Justice League for various reasons. Well, one of them is the thing we were just talking about. We're talking about time. He's not getting any more of mine. <laughs> no! <laughs> I don't want to watch that. Hey, you know this dessert you hated? We, 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 put some, uh, we put some bananas on it. You want that? No, I'm good. Head over to fanboy.com to find out all of our shows. All our The shows we just talked about are all there. And all of our old writing is there. You can go back and relive comics from... Uh, through the year 2013, through the through the articles and through the podcasts, it's all there. And also, facebook.com slash ifanboy at ifanboy on Twitter are where you can find us online, at ifanboycomics on Instagram. All those places are where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram and J.A. Flanagan on Instagram. And at youtube.com slash ifanboy, which you can find all of our old video content. You know, we've also been putting these shows up there, by the way. Uh, but our old video shows in the past week were... Uh, the What Were They Thinking mini that Ron did about Iron Man's roller skates. We did a spotlight on Ben Templesmith's career, and Ron interviewed Brad Michael Bendis. Those are the shows we put up last week. I know what he asked him in that interview. I don't know. I know there's one question in there that he definitely asked about, and we still don't have an answer to. This is 2008, I believe. What is still. in the closet? <laughs> you think that will show up on WandaVision? Got a few <laughs> issues. Got a few episodes to go, I think. It's a lot YouTube. in there. Boy. like and subscribe <laughs> if you like this show uh if you're on those youtube shows you actually subscribing or liking them would probably good be good i don't think we're talking about a revenue stream at this point but you know <laughs> uh but that stuff's there uh if you like it uh you want to tell other people about it you want to leave a review there's there's more platforms now it was only apple podcast for a while but now there's uh, you know the amazon and audible and and uh, there's a lot of places that people get podcasts so uh, you are you're the street team. I've said that we our our marketing and advertising budget is basically non-existent, and by basically I mean it doesn't exist. So uh, that would help us uh, if mm-hmm. you'd like to do that. Keep this going. Uh, we'll we'll be doing that regardless. Tell people about it that you like. Tell your letter carrier, um, or your UPS freight delivery guy who had some questions for me the other day. Uh, <laughs> that's that's your that's your job as a listener. That's that's all we that's all we expect of you. That's your platform. <laughs> It's not what you stand for. <laughs> let's stop this. Let's let's end it. All right. So that's the show. We'll be back next week. And until then, I am Connor. I am Josh. Be safe out there. Take care of people around you. If you are in a very cold place, uh, I wish you the best of luck. And uh, uh, oh yeah, we we do want to we mention all of the FM base in Texas who probably aren't listening right now, but uh, eventually will be. We. Uh, you know, hope you're doing okay. I have a lot of family there, so yeah, me too. Um, uh, we've been thinking about you and the area, and hopefully, you're staying warm. And um, we uh, it'll melt. We know we know it'll get better soon. Yeah. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Your